Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. the Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. The season is upon us, fam. Uh, what We're uh, a week out. Today's Thursday. It starts next Friday. This is nuts. Uh, we, we've made it. Friday night against Vancouver. I'm looking forward to it. And so is the rest of the show. We have a lot to get into. Rosters are basically set. We're, we're, we're there. We're through even the preseason now. It's season time, so let's get into it. Uh, shit, let's just lead things off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hankel. I'm going to take just a moment to hijack the show and oh, let everyone do. know. We're recording this Thursday night, but you're probably listening to it on Friday, which means that it's Stephanie J. Driver's birthday. So everyone, you have to harass her with happy thoughts and shower her with praise because it is her birthday and that's very exciting excellent reminder because Mm -hmm. steph and my dad share a birthday so i gotta go get a card also bill's dad at him as well i'm sure he's on i don't think i knew that i don't think i knew that it's just how i remember we're birthday twins yeah i've been friends with you for a decade (laughs) and you've never mentioned that i'm sure it's come up but thank you, Kelly. You're and welcome. thank you to everyone who does harass me. It means a lot. I'll me. text you in four hours. <laughs> Listen, now you joke about that, but I get crazy if I don't have like happy birthday text messages or messages at all at midnight because I make it a point to tell people happy birthday at midnight. I regret. I will be. And sleeping. then I get insane when no one does the same to me. Don't take it personally. I'll be I get insane. I, uh, oh yeah, no, you're in, you're in Atlanta. There's no time difference. So your midnight is my midnight. No time difference. But like, I'm also the person that completely blanked on Bill's birthday a couple weeks ago. So, you know, we're, we're doing great. From theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Hey everybody. Um, so one thing I'm actually legitimately excited about because it's been a really long time since we've gotten this. Next Friday, the the season opener is going to be the first time since the 2013-2014 season that the Flyers will open the season at home in front of fans. It's kind of neat. It doesn't happen often. Last year, of course, they also had a home opener, but there were no fans. The year before, they were technically the home team, but they were playing (laughs) in another country. And then all the other times in between 2013-14 and this year, they have played on the road. Quite a few of those times were actually on the West Coast at some crazy time to start the year. So it's nice that the Flyers finally get to have an actual home season opener. I think that's neat. Like, the, it, it was always, like, the Pacific time zone on, like, a fucking Tuesday. Like, home in front of fans on a Friday night. This is so different than what we've had for, yeah, like, the last seven, eight seasons. It really is exciting. Like, I'm legitimately, I'm not even going to the game, but I am legitimately looking forward to this. Who did they play in the home opener 2013-2014? Was it the Penguins? It, it appears they played the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they lost three to one. Oh, never mind. And this was the season where they fired Laviolette like three games into the year. Oh, good times. Well, that was a fun one. It was that season. So let's see if we see a repeat. My, Gotta do better than that, folks. Boy. Gotta do My, better than that. I'm thinking. I'm thinking December when Rick Tockett takes over. But shit, it could be like it could be like before Halloween. Uh, right. And last but certainly not least, the birthday girl herself, Steph Licious D. Steph Driver. Hey, it's me. I actually signed a, a RSVP to a wedding, Stephalicious D, Steph Driver, the other That's day. That's amazing. 
So thanks for that, Bill. Um, so I wanted to talk about all of the Robin Lehner stuff that happened over the weekend, um, but I don't really want to focus specifically on what he said about the Flyers. I want to talk about the overarching theme because I think that's getting lost in all of the the nonsense and the craziness that happened afterwards. Um, so I, I did a short Twitter thread on this, and I think it's really, really important that we keep in mind that there is a international problem with pills, with overprescribing pills. This is not just an NHL problem. It is highlighted in sports because look at all of the high-profile, young, healthy guys that have died due or have had serious complications, including careers ending, because of pills. And we all, I know, without thinking, can come up with one player that we know of that has been impacted by pills. And out of the four people that are on this show, we would all come up with somebody different. So it is a problem. Now, a, a current player speaking up about how this is an issue, and it came up around Jack Eichel. He's mad about how the Sabres are treating Jack Eichel and his neck injury. Um, was it the most productive way to go about doing this? Probably not, but... It was his platform, and I think that's okay. And he's since had to walk it back a little bit. And I watched his press conference in Vegas the other day saying that he had good conversations with the NHL and the NHLPA, and he's going to continue working behind closed doors and not publicly to make sure that he's able to help protect the next generation of NHL player, which I think is super, super important. Like, this is something that... We've forgotten for a long time as fans of sport. Um, and I think that every once in a while it comes back up as we're dealing with um, brain injuries, CTE, or a, a professional hockey, uh, not hockey player, just athlete dying for whatever thing, forever, whatever reason. I'm thinking of the uh, Skaggs. I can't remember. Tyler Skaggs from the Angels. Tyler, I, I was bouncing back and forth between Trevor and Tyler. I knew it was a T. Um, we, we all know that these things happen and that they're people. Like, we have to keep in mind these are people with real-life problems and real-life pains. And they're, they're struggling. They're struggling with addiction in different forms and the way that they perform pushes their bodies to the limits and narcotics and are, are just so scary. They're so scary. And I, I think that anything that anybody can do to keep present in their minds that th these are scary things and it happens to everyone and we really need to get a handle on it. I, I think that that's invaluable. And I really appreciate Robin Lehner bringing that up and pushing for the health and safety of the, the future NHL players. I just don't, love the way that it all happened for the Flyers because they really weren't involved, but they were tied in anyway. Um, but the overarching, the overarching theme is we need to protect athletes, period. I, and I think that that's an important theme. I agree. I was, uh, I'm glad you brought this up because I have a lot of opinions about drugs and sports First of all, like, to treat this as, oh my god, these guys are being given drugs even if they're not prescribed, like, we all know. Everyone knows that this is what's going on in locker rooms in every sport across America, across North America, across the world. There wouldn't, like, I mean, watch a hockey game, watch a football game, and be like, oh yes, these guys could do this regularly through their 20s and 30s without pain pills. Like, it would be impossible. Uh, like, I just, it's... That part of it, like, oh, this is new information, is kind of, like, getting to me because, like, everybody knows and it's, it just goes on ignored until something happens. And they're like, oh, we got to right. get to the bottom of this. And I, I just, it, it And then it nobody does. Yeah, Nobody no, does course. because it's so just inherent in sports. Like, we're all in our 30s. I 
have been wearing a hip and back brace for a week because I sat weird on my couch. <laughs> like these, this is what happens in your 30s. But these guys, these athletes are out here in peak physical form, but also in their 30s and will have to wear some type of brace if they sit weird on their couch. But like, th that is something I wanted to I'd get like to into. point out that I feel oh, good. pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, I feel don't, don't lump me in. I feel pretty damn good. Shut up. See, I, feel I was I was going to say the same thing, but in my case, it's just because I peaked super late. So the for me, I just my strategy was being an absolute mess in my 20s and then getting better. So, I feel awesome away. and I chalk it up to my my recreational drug use. Um, <laughs> there you go. I will say like one thing. My recreational drug use has me sitting weird on the couch. <laughs> uh, the one thing, the one thing I will say. Uh, is I do believe I do believe we need we the athletes do need to be protected and they do need more say in their treatment uh, as is the case with Jack Eichel. However, like we know the NHLPA, like this isn't the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, that yeah, the that, fucking that, that's the tough part. That, yeah, that's but because like like it, it's true. Like I think Eichel should be allowed to decide for himself. You know what surgery he wants to get, but unfortunately the you know the power. I mean, of the power of that is granted to the teams by the CBA that the two sides negotiated. So it sucks, and it worthless union. It absolutely here's, should be addressed, but it's tough because that's the rule. I mean, here's the thing: what happens if he just goes and does it? Does that void his contract? I think it could. Although then everybody gets what they want. He's yeah, a free but agent. <laughs> but the thing is, is why would like I don't think Buffalo would do that. I, it's it's a tough thing because like why would Buffalo void the contract because they clearly want to get something back for him in a trade and if they void the contract they will get nothing uh, yeah I mean just, they would have the ability to I think or at least have the ability to file a grievance to try to void the contract the one thing I just wanted to say and it it, it was about the uh, the comments that were made um, about Nolan Patrick's treatment coming back from the migraine disorder. Um, as much as I believe athletes do need to, and this isn't like shaded by my bias against Nolan Patrick, I, I just believe this about all of these, as Steph said, like peak level performance athletes. Do I believe that in the past information was withheld from like hockey players, NFL players about the danger and the long term effects of, uh, of you know, concussions, post-concussion syndrome, traumatic brain injury. Absolutely, that is well-documented, and these guys, you know, kind of had the wool pulled over their eyes a little bit. In the year 2021, when all these guys do is take care of their bodies and eat protein shakes and do all that shit, to kind of play it up like, well, he was just given something and didn't know what else to do, so he took it. Like, you can't always be the victim. You okay, know what okay. you're putting in your fucking body. Like, Bill, you but, but, know but, but, or you don't do it. You look into it. You do some of your own research, as we always hear from a certain portion of the uh, the athletic community. I just, sometimes it's on you, too, to, like, okay, well, not just do shit. Well, Bill, like, to back up for a second here, the report that you're referencing was 100% false. Yes. And, yeah. and, and made, made up. And fabricated. Made up by some kid who last year was making fake Jordan Hall Twitter accounts. So that that is that is less anything to do with Nolan Patrick and more something to do with, like, maybe people on Twitter should be a little bit more discerning and think that, like, hey, if there's some kid who has 900 Twitter followers and he has a blue check mark, like maybe he's not actually breaking a story. Um, because that, that was that was bad in a lot of ways. But very yes. clearly what happened was, you know, you have the laner tweet tweet thread that included the flyers, and then an hour later, that thing pops up with no one who is as any real basis in like there's no reason to trust that that particular account because what have they broken in the past? And suddenly it gets retweeted a thousand times and then it becomes fact. So like th that that's a classic example of like what's bad about Twitter because there's no reason why that should have had the, the you know, the reach that it ended up yeah. having. And to be clear, Robin Lehner specifically said that his opinion on Elaine Vigneault and his opinion is, is reason for bringing up the flyers, like – that has nothing to do with Nolan Patrick because he barely knows Nolan Patrick at this stage. They've like literally just become teammates. So I just want to make that clear. I don't want yeah. listeners to think that the Nolan Patrick thing was real because it wasn't. 
No, no, I'm just, the way that that was, that's what I was getting to, maybe I was doing a bad job of setting it up, uh, was like, just this mentality that these athletes are just mindless robots, and they would just take something like, oh yeah, well, I'm on a, you know, I'm on a neurological plan, but some trainer just handed me some benzos and some fucking Ambien, so I'm gonna try that out, like, I, yeah, that wouldn't, that's not what would happen, and if it is, like, yeah, that's bad, but, like, there needs to be some responsibility there as well, but to your point, yes, that particular report, I'm just like, the idea that the athletes need protection, and yes, they do, from their union, from their there also union, needs right. to be some responsibility, like, to follow a certain medical plan rather than just, oh yeah, let's pop some of these because I'm told by some guy you know, that this will work. Like, I, it just seems a little phony to me. Well, yeah, I mean, and there's, you know, Justin Bourne wrote an article today about there being a sleep problem in the NHL because that's specifically what the, this particular thing is about. That That's what Laner was talking about. Like, that's where Ambien comes into play. That's where Benzo's come into play. It's that, you know, guys are trying to, you know, get to sleep quicker on road trips, you know, basically deal with, you know, anxiety and whatnot and, and relax. So they get these pills. I don't doubt that happens. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, the point that Laner is making, which is a completely fair point, is that a lot of players don't fully understand just how addictive these drugs are. And that's 100% true. Like, I, I definitely think they know. Like, like Ambien is a, is a well-known drug. Yeah. It's honestly just becoming revealed over the last couple of years just how addictive it is. Like, I think it was just, you know, because that was, I mean, I remember seeing, you know, advertisements on television for it. You know, it's just like a normal drug, and it's actually quite addictive. Like, that's the reason why this is so near and dear to Laner's heart is because he has said he was addicted to Ambien. And that, you know, his doctors, you know, when they, when they were figuring out, like, all the things that, that you know, they needed to address to, to get him right, um, you, know, from a, you know, from a mental health standpoint and then from an addiction standpoint, I mean, they were the ones that informed him about how dangerous Ambien is, how it, you know, yes, it gets you to go to sleep, but you don't have restful sleep, and then you get addicted to it. So, I mean, I, I don't doubt that Robin Lehner is coming from a good place here, without a doubt. Sure. And, and, and you know, this is why, hopefully, now that it's happening behind closed doors, hopefully the NHL actually follows up on it. You know, they don't just, like, talk to him for a little bit and then kick it on, under the, you know, under the rug because... You know, these types of uh, just handing these things out to players if they need to get a, get to sleep, you know, at a decent hour on a road trip, like, th there needs to be a little bit more seriousness taken to, you know, these, con really any kind of pills, but these kind of pills in particular. Should probably just let them smoke weed. <laughs> they can basically do whatever the hell they want. for everyone. They can basically just... They can basically just do whatever the hell they want in the NHL. Like, unless, that, they don't really drug test, do they? Unless you like get caught like in possession of something, uh, the, the NHL drug program is one of the more progressive throughout all of sports. And to further that point, like I'll tell people uh, just in terms of how traumatic brain injuries are, are being treated right now uh, throughout athletics, uh, look into what's going on with cannabis psilocybin, LSD, even Special K, um, these things do have some real, like, medical upside, especially in terms of treating, like, the long-term and short-term effects of traumatic brain injuries, but that's, you know, a conversation for a different day. I'm glad we got into this. Charlie, I wanted to ask you, how excited are you that YouTube TV isn't dropping NBC Sports? Pretty pumped. I was legitimately worried about that. Um, I really like didn't a, want to have to go back to Hulu. No, there was like a week long period where I thought that uh, that they were going to cut it. You know, they were talking about they weren't able to come to an agreement. And, and I, I have so I have cable because I watch. You know, when I'm when the Flyers are on the road and I'm not following them, I want to watch it in, on cable because it's the best picture quality and it's not behind the game. Like YouTube TV is behind by I think like ten seconds or so, which is hard if I'm live tweeting a game. Um, but Does I, Charlie work for Big Cable? Um, but I have YouTube TV, um, so I can cut clips of games. Um, you know, I'll use video clips in my articles, and YouTube TV is great because I can record the games and then cut the clips from there. And if I would have lost that, I mean, that would have really sucked because that would have been significantly harder for me to uh, to find ways to uh, to break down plays and whatnot. So yeah, I was I was legitimately worried, and I'm glad they figured it out because 
that wouldn't have been great. It would have definitely made my uh, my job uh, writing articles that hopefully entertain our many subscribers it would have made it a little bit more difficult. I was uh, before that was, you- a, that was a very abrupt change in topic. <laughs> yeah, I just I wanted to I wanted to keep it going because this could be the whole show, and I want to actually talk about some yeah. shit. Uh, I will say, Charlie, the way you cut stuff and put it in your articles from YouTube is uh, some of the best shit uh, that you do. That's really good. You're writing about music is the best thing you do, but that's that's a close <laughs> second. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about most of the time, and I read your tweets. I'm like, this sounds good. <laughs> I like this. This is good. Don't know what the song oh, these is. These are words. Yeah. In in other news, um, it appears that the Devils Islanders preseason game tonight has been canceled. Because I did there see was, that the lights were out. There was a power outage, apparently. Yeah, in my fucking brain, thinking about those two teams playing each other, there's a goddamn. You just mentioned the Devils Islanders game. There's a fucking power outage of me drinking bleach. Yeah, the I arena mean, I, staff I, was like, "This is too boring." We don't. I want will to. acknowledge that, like, there are about a hundred thousand things I would rather do than watch a Devils Islanders game, whether it's preseason or regular season. You know, you I will the, say you have the organization that I dislike the most all around because they ruined hockey in the '90s, and then you have the Islanders who annoy the hell out of me right now. I will say, Devils over 89 and a half points, one of the best bets I'm going to give out on. You better you bet this week. Anyway, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I listen, Dougie baby. Uh so let's get into uh let's get into the biggest news I guess surrounding the team. Morgan Frost is a fucking bust, eh? It's over. Might as well just outright release him. Should have traded him years ago. Yep. Should have traded him before you drafted him. You should have drafted him. That's the highest potential. You should have drafted him second overall instead of Nolan Patrick and traded him that day. Yep. That's the only way to deal with a draft. What they pick. really have should to... have done is drafted Tolvanen, who we all thought they drafted instead. <laughs> well, they showed his fucking name. <laughs> they did. I know. Yeah, that was a killer. The Flyers should have just done that. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of ways this Morgan Frost thing could play out. If you haven't seen, he got he got loans to the Phantoms. He is not making the team out of camp, despite Kevin Hayes starting the starting the year injured. Uh, looks like Lawton, Broussard, p- possibly Giroux could work in at center at some point, but uh, AV said they seem to like him with uh, with Sean Couturier. So a, uh, a combo of like Lawton, Broussard, Nate Thompson at center. <sighs> what the fuck are we doing? Like, I-, I don't care. In a vacuum, it's like, all right, let him play in the minors. Let him get his timing back. Uh, Chuck Fletcher kind of took ownership of it and said, this is more of a me thing. Uh, I- I'd just rather see him start down there and work his way up as he, as he, you know, hasn't played in a long time, has not played a ton of hockey in the last year or so. But this doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens in a world where, like, Derek Broussard is now... In our middle six, I, I like Scott Lawton's the two C. What, what the fuck? I mean, they're See in that? a tough. They're in a tough spot. Like they're in a tough spot because Hayes got hurt. Like the Flyers. The the thing that I mean, in the end, because because there's a lot of there's a lot of anger on social media about this Morgan Frost thing. And the thing is that I don't. The reason why the anger was so overwhelming is because there were like four separate groups that like aren't often all angry at the same time and they all were angry at the same time but they were angry for different reasons like you had the morgan frost is a bust i'm angry because he sucks group you had the how dare the flyers not have morgan frost on the team be when they have nate thompson on the team the flyers are morons group that was angry then you have the this just shows how incompetent ron hextall was group that was angry like there were just so many different that's where i landed of that's flyers. Twitter initially. <laughs> um, but really, what, like, honestly, the, the the root cause of this problem, and, like, I hate to bring it back to him, but, like, the root cause of this problem is missing on Nolan Patrick. Because yes. in the end, like, you, you, you have Sean Couturier. Kevin Hayes gets hurt. 
Now, the question is like, well, why is the Flyers center depth so bad that once Kevin Hayes gets hurt, they're kind of screwed? And the reason is, is that they spent a second overall pick on a center who didn't pan out for them. Like, that's why they're in this problem. And that's why they have to depend on a Morgan Frost. That's why they have to use Scott Lawton at center, even though he's a better wing. That's why they had to sign Derek Broussard in the first place as a bargain basement contract in the end of free agency. It's because they invested a second overall pick in this position and it didn't work out. So now you're left hoping that Morgan Frost can, you know, come back and take over the spot despite having played four periods of meaningful hockey in 18 months. Like, you just, you were in a bad spot. Okay, but it is not Nolan Patrick's fault that Morgan Frost sucks. Like, Nolan Patrick came back after missing more time than Morgan Frost did. And, and was terrible. made the opening night roster. Morgan yeah. Frost can't. Yeah, did I mean, if anything... the roster, or well, if, was if, he just If anything, there? the, uh, I think the, like... The, the Nolan Patrick situation last season may be what influenced Chuck Fletcher to send Frost back because it's kind of... I don't of, think so. I, I, think, I mean, it's possible. I think it, no, I think it may have played into it because it's just like, you know what? Last year, we just threw Nolan Patrick in there after a year layoff and we hoped that he was good and he wasn't. Whereas, what, what, I mean, why, I why don't we take it easy with Frost? I connecting dots because it's convenient. I, I, I don't think that... I'm not blaming one Nolan Patrick for that. One player is going to impact the treatment of a different human being and a different player well, people oh, learn I, oh, lessons. oh see i absolutely believe it was, it was as what bill said it's a lesson learned type of thing it's like the same reason why the flyers went and signed brassard and keith yandel and guys like that because it was like well we're not going to totally trust that the kids are going to take these spots we're going to get vets and we're going to force the kids to push them out i absolutely think that watching nolan patrick and oscar Limblom flail after missing significant periods of time last year has fletcher thinking i'm not going to rush morgan frost back into this lineup i'm going to let him play himself back into in, into condition. I'm gonna let himself. Play, I'm gonna let him play himself back into a rhythm at a lower level. And then when he shows that he's back, I'll call him up. But I'm not gonna hand in the spot and just cross my fingers that he's ready. Like I get that logically, I get that. But I think we need to look at the player that Morgan Frost is and realize that he is not what we thought he was. <laughs> I think there's I, no way to know that. that we don't it's know. time to really look at our expectations versus what he is. Well, what is the expectation? Because mine was like middle six center. And I think he's definitely a middle six center. I think he's a bottom six center. Well, if he's a bottom six center, he's a third line center because they're not going to use him on the fourth no, line. No, yeah. Well, right. I, all right. This, I, is, this is the two questions I have to get to. One I just thought of... Um, we talk about the pressure of this role that maybe Frost isn't uh, isn't ready for yet uh, with Kevin Hayes getting hurt. And it led me to the thought, as counterintuitive as, intuitive as it is, if Kevin Hayes is healthy, I think maybe Morgan Frost has a better chance of making this team. Now, like, he gets hurt and everyone's like, oh, well, he has to step up now. He's the only one. But really, it's like, okay, well, now you're asking Morgan Frost to be the two center and a productive guy. He has to be. And I think, like, if you could just slot him in at 3C and see how it works out, he'd actually have a better chance of making this team out of camp. What do you think about, like, if Hayes was healthy, would he have had a better shot? No. I don't think so just because Derek Broussard has dramatically outplayed Morgan Frost at camp. So if the if the competition was for 3C, if you could say, well, Couturier is there, Hayes is there, so we're battling for 3C. If this version of Morgan Frost to like, and I'm to be clear, I'm not burying Morgan Frost. I think Morgan Frost in, in maybe a few weeks to a month or so will be backfiring on all cylinders because he'll have played himself back into a rhythm after missing all that time. But the version of Morgan Frost that showed up for training camp did not outplay the version of Derek Broussard at camp. So if that was an open competition for 3C, Broussard would have won it. And then I think Frost would have got sent down anyway. I just if- don't... I. The framing of him being sent down as bad is where I think people are getting stuck. And I think Charlie explained it very well, is that this is not Morgan Frost is bad. He has to play in the AHL because he's bad. It's Morgan Frost hasn't played hockey in nearly two years. Morgan Frost needs to play a lot of hockey. Send him to the AHL. He'll come up when he's ready. Like, it's... Everyone went to such a negative place as soon as it was announced, and I just don't think it was that bad of a thing to happen. 
Well, when does the AHL season start? Well, it's the preseason now. It starts around the same time the NHL season does, but they have a few more preseason games to go. Yeah. So he'll get some time there. I do not think, though, because some people theorize, like, well, they're just going to send Frost down to get AHL games, and then they're going to call him back up for game one. I do not think they're going to do that. I that was one of the things happening. I wanted to get to. Maybe bank his, you know, 825 or whatever it is for a couple of days before the season actually begins for the team. Bring him up. But yeah, it doesn't seem like that's the thing after the comments made uh, by the organization today. My second question now is to Steph's point, and we're 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 working towards it here. Is like there seems to like amongst my friends, I I, I test my material in my group text with my buddies before I bring it on the show. <laughs> And, like, there is a wide variety of opinions about what you actually saw from Morgan Frost in the preseason. Now, a little peek behind the curtain at my process. I, like, throw the uh, the preseason games on. That's why I haven't done a, uh, a, a preseason postgame yet, because, like, I ain't paying that close attention. But sometime next week, I will watch them all in a row as I have them oh, recorded. Yeah, and that's then, like, cool idea. yeah, get the full scope of what actually happened and, like, not have to watch a full preseason game. I can fast forward to the commercials and intermission and shit. Uh, that's really why I do it. But in the little I saw, like, did Frost stand out? No. But I did see at times, like, a guy who was on or around the puck a lot, a guy capable of making subtle plays. Like, okay, he had no points, but I saw a chance for, like, easily three assists. Like, if he picks up those three assists because the guy he passed through from behind the net buries the puck, is he on the team? Like, are we judging him by points totals from a handful of preseason games, or is it more than that? I think... I think it's more than that. Okay. I saw I saw a guy. So I'll say that like, and Bill Meltzer was banging this this drum, and I actually agree with him in this case. Um, I think Frost did a good job defensively. I think he was engaged. I think oh, he was um, he was you know he was not cheating for offense. Now I'm not saying like Frost to a degree he's an offense player, but you're playing center. You don't want to be cheating too much. You certainly are the more often than not the low man in the D zone. So there's only so much you can do. But defensively, I thought he was fine. I thought he was engaged. I thought he he tried to be physical as much as he can. He looks stronger. To me, his issue was it was offense, but it was primarily this concept that and I noticed this in a couple of the preseason games. It seemed like too often he was like going going to where the puck was rather than where it was going to be, and because okay. of that, he was just kind of chasing the game. And he sort of agreed with that, you know, when when the the idea was brought up to him in one of his press availabilities over the past week. And the thing is that he's too smart of a player to continue doing that. Like that's not going to continue. He will eventually get back into the confident offensive wizard that he is. And the good news about this preseason is that if he can get that back, which chances are he's probably going to and combine that with the improvements he seems to have made defensively he could be an even better player than he was you know the last time he was up and I, again I don't think he's gonna be a star but I think he could be a good center so I'm not writing Morgan Frost off I just think that you know the whole reason why they wanted him in this lineup this, this really is the key to the whole thing the whole reason why they wanted him in this lineup is because he had the highest offensive upside because they knew they could put Lawton at 3C. They knew if worse comes to worse, they can put Drew at 3C. But their thought process was, we like Drew better at wing. Lawton could supercharge the, fourth, supercharge the fourth line. And then Frost can provide more offense than pretty much anybody else we could throw into that 3C spot. Well, Frost isn't at the point where he can provide offense. Now, might he get there? Could he play himself in the, at the NHL level into that position? Sure, but it might take a few weeks. It might take a month. And in that case, it's kind of like, well, the only reason why we have you on the team, really, is because you're better offensively than our other options, but this version of you isn't. So really, what's the point of having you if you're going to have to work yourself into offensive shape Let's get you down in the AHL. Let's get your confidence up. Let's get you making plays, you know, threading passes, attacking the play. And then once you're back doing that, you know, if it happens to occur before Kevin Hayes is back, we'll call you up and you can take that spot. If it doesn't, then keep going. And if Broussard starts to sag a bit and he gets moved off a of, off of center to wing, then call Frost up and he takes over the 3C spot, which I do think, like, that is the eventual thing. Like, he's eventually yeah. going to be 3C on this team as long as he stays healthy this year. It's just a matter of when he's going to get that timing back, that rhythm back. And, and I think... I'm optimistic because I think it's going to be soon, but we just don't know. We don't know exactly when it's going to happen because he hasn't played much hockey in the last 18 months. 
More... Wasn't there a season that Joel Farabee didn't make the team out of camp? Yes, and then he was up within like two weeks because he killed it. Yeah, that's probably what we're looking at here. It might not be as quick as two weeks, but like in the long-term scheme of things, this isn't a huge deal. Like, let it play out, people. Let it play out. No, It'll it, be fine. It's partially a huge deal. Like, this is something that I criticize the Flyers about, and, you know, it, it was it was as much a, an issue I have with chemistry as much as an issue with perception. Like, if the Flyers would have, like, ran their lines in camp and ran the preseason games with, like, Frost cycling in and out with, with Scott Lawton, like, maybe, like, Lawton would get a game at center and then and Frost would get a game at center, and it was presented more of, like, an open competition that Frost lost, I feel like people probably would have been less surprised and less angry. Instead, from day one of camp, Morgan Frost was essentially given that job. Like, they just tossed him in between Farabee and JVR and were like, hey, Morgan Frost, our 3C. I mean, you had, you had Vino saying last Saturday that this lineup, which Morgan Frost was in as second line or third line center, depending on how you want to you wanna grade that line, he was like, yeah, this might be our opening night lineup. So then you, you present that to the fans for two weeks, and then out of nowhere, you're like, oh, by the way, Morgan Frost got sent down. Like, it, it just everyone was prepared for Morgan Frost to make this team because that was the messaging that was coming from the team. And then it just, it felt like they made this big abrupt pivot midway through the week. Even if I think it was justified because Frost didn't play that well, it was still weird. And I think they should have done a better job of maybe, you know, giving someone like Scott Lawton more reps in that position to make it more obvious to everyone that like, this isn't just going to be handed to Morgan Frost. So here's the other thing. I think that made it surprising for people. Jackson Cates. <laughs> if you had said to me, Kelly, I will give you $1 billion to pick a random player that you think might make the opening night lineup. Jackson Cates would not have even entered my mind. Why in the world is Jackson Cates the guy that essentially beat Morgan Frost onto the roster. Well, it might not be. I mean, it might be Garrett Wilson, because he's in the mix, too. That's oh, not that a guy. real guy. Who is that? That's not a real guy. He's computer-generated. That's Markle. He That's, he's the new yeah. Markle. You can't Mark prove he's wearing, he's, he's wearing Andrew McDonald's number. <laughs> That's Mark number. Donk. That's oh, no. Like. <laughs> Perfect. Now, speaking of numbers, this is the thing I wanted to say a few minutes ago. Talking about Morgan Frost's defense, he's an undersized set offensive first center and you slapped 48 on him, he should play zero fucking defense. None. You did this on purpose. You told us who he was, and then he's focusing on defense. This is a bunch of nonsense to me. Uh, I'll tell you what, what bothers me more than anything about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, about this, uh, why I was disappointed in Morgan Frost not making the team is that just like, Looking at this roster, like Steph said, this isn't probably a long-term, you know, we're, we're going to get there, Morgan Frost will be up, and maybe he does need to get his timing. And like Charlie said, if he doesn't have offensive upside right now because he's chasing the game, then what's the point? But just look at this roster. Um, how the fuck are they going to score? Like, I, really I just don't question. see... Yes. I don't see a team that's, like, going to excite anybody the first couple of weeks of the season and like we're all dying for that we're all dying to be sucked back in and to watch a good team to watch an exciting team and with Hayes out and with Morgan Frost not here like Lawton, Broussard, Thompson as your 2, 3, and 4 is exciting nobody you gotta go get Jack Eichel the answer <laughs> is the bees the bees I mean he'll be good the, bees. the farb it, I will say like that has been for me the thing about the preseason that's been the most concerning, and I know it's just the preseason and you're not really supposed to put a whole lot of stock in it, but no one seems to be lighting the world on fire offensively. Like, there isn't a ton happening there. And that's like, making me very nervous because Giroux, they struggled to score before. Giroux, Couturier, Konechny will score. Like, that's a very yes. good line. They will have the puck and they will score. But, like, on the nights that they don't, because that happens in hockey, they are not going to win games. 
Like, that's just, I mean, unless Farabee is amazing and really takes that next step, he's not just as good as he was last year, he's better. If Limblom is back to what he was, and like, remember, what he was, we never thought he was going to score at that rate. We thought he was a, a good player who is around the puck and creates chances, but doesn't always bury it. He didn't have that finish ability, and... It was like, oh, this is a real nice surprise that the pucks are going in. Uh, like, unless he's that, like, unless Derek Broussard has way more left in the tank than we think, who the fuck is scoring? It's a really well, good Well, of point. course he doesn't have that Finnish ability, Bill. He's Swedish. I, you know, I hey, said it. Folks. I said it, and I knew someone was going to make the joke. She's, it had to be. It she's had to here, be one of us. She's here all week, folks. She is. all week. Bill, it's a good point, and I actually asked Chuck Fletcher that very question um, at the press conference today. You know, because you look at it. I mean, Hayes being out is going to hurt the second line without a doubt. Frost not being Morgan Frost yet definitely hurts because the highest upside lineup they have probably has Morgan Frost in it if it's Morgan Frost playing at peak Morgan Frost levels. And honestly, Wade Allison being out hurts too. Yeah. Because I think, you know, they were yeah. they were depending upon him not just to score, but to bring an element that this this forward core lacks, which is that physical size, get to the front end, that really just power your way to the front end. Like, I honestly suspect that might be one of the reasons why they're giving Garrett Wilson a look, because he kind of, you know, nowhere near as talented as Wade Allison, to be clear. But like, he, he's got that size, that element where you can bring him in there, and they might think we need that. So that might be why he's, you know, still in the mix here. But point being is that... It's like Ryan White on the power play. They've only scored nine goals in in five preseason games. I mean, they're not scoring a lot. Yeah. And that's with the power play honestly looking pretty good. So, and I don't know if any of us have faith that that's going to actually carry over to the regular season. Uh, Listen, if 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 Yandel's that QB, man, like, it... But that's the you can't just score on the power play. We've watched Flyers teams that yeah. looked real good on the power play, and then like they'd lose every game three to two because you only get so many power plays. Yeah, I, I mean, I suddenly, and this is this is probably one of my biggest early season concerns. Suddenly, Derek Broussard is very important to this team in the early and that's season. like Don't the opposite, and, that, and, and that's happen. concerning. Like, yeah. I mean, Fletcher basically said like. Well, I'm not sure if Lawton, you know, now that Lawton's been to the center, he's like, I'm not sure if Lawton is a second line center or a third line center. They're going to kind of be interchangeable <laughs> in the start of the year. But, like, let's be realistic here. I mean, right now, Derek Broussard is probably at least nominally your 2C. And you could give him good wingers. You know, you can give him right now, he's got Cam Agnesson and Joel Farabee. They're pretty darn good wingers. But Broussard isn't what he used to be. And you're playing him pretty high up in the lineup. I mean, this is the kind of thing that, like, the Coyotes did last year. And they weren't good. So it's a concern if Broussard, if Broussard can, you know, get off to a fast start and provide more than people are expecting, the Flyers could survive this. But if Broussard struggles and the Flyers become a one-line team, you know, they could they could fall behind early unless Carter Hart really jumps out to a great start and carries his team in the beginning. And that that was my next thing is, like, they are now – so dependent on Carter Hart. It's not, all right, we need Carter to just, let's let him get his legs back under him and look competent. No, he needs to be what we, like, we keep saying, oh, Morgan Frost, not what we expect him to be. We keep saying it about all these prospects, and last year, Carter Hart was nowhere close to what we expect him to be, at least in the early going, and, like, I'm not confident Kevin Hayes is going to be right all year because we saw guys recover from these fucking core muscle injuries, and it was ugly. It was real ugly. Um... They need Carter Hart if this team's going to reach what we thought it was poten- its potential to be just a few short weeks ago. They need him to be one of the team's best players. It's pretty wild how fast this all went to shit. I don't think it's went to shit. I, I mean, really, I the, shit. the only I'm, guy I'm they really excited. lost was Hayes. Like, yeah. they lost Hayes, and unfortunately it's at the position where they're weak at originally, so it just seemed... That's worse. the thing. Like, it, it didn't... When you were just kind of looking at things high level and enjoying the excitement of the summer, it didn't occur to me, because I wasn't really thinking that hard, that one player going down 
well, is knocking down a whole row of dominoes and having, now we're looking very at Derek Broussard winning us hockey games. Like, it's a little... Eh. Having the strength of Couturier Hayes and then, like, maybe it's Frost, maybe it's Lawton, maybe it's Broussard, like, having the mix and match ability there, um, like, not having Hayes... It just amplifies the areas of your area of strength no longer exists, and it amplifies the areas of weakness. Like now, they need the goaltending to be so much better than we thought they they needed it to be, especially in the early going. Now, all of a sudden, the Wade Allison injury is like, well, fuck, we kind of needed Wade Allison. Like it's all these things, and it gets back to depending on guys who let us down in one way, at least production wise, last year. They need that to not be the case this year. And it's just really lowered my optimism going into the season. Like, do I think everything's gone to shit? Not necessarily, but I'm so much less excited for the team itself. Like, hockey starting, I'm pumped. It's going to be fun because we have fun. But, like, eh. I'm prone to hyperbole, and I am, in fact, still very excited about this hockey team. (laughs) Hey, I was away that week that everything happened. And by away, I mean, I was sitting in a hospital with my brother and sister-in-law. Um, but when I listened to Broad Street Hockey Radio, recapping all of the things that happened, what a good show. Um, holy shit. No, it was for someone who wasn't paying a lot of attention. It, it seemed catastrophic at the time. All of the things that went wrong within that period was holy shit, what are, what are the Flyers going to do going into the season? So while I think that the adjustments are possible and I think that they will be fine, I think the opening night roster will be fine, looking at the injuries, when they happened and how they happened was very jarring. So things may have not all gone to shit, but it sure as fuck felt that way. Yeah, I mean, the, the Hayes thing is just tough because I remember at the start of the, the offseason, I did an article basically saying, like, what would the perfect Flyers offseason entail? You know, what moves would they have to make? What upgrades would they have to make? And honestly, to Chuck Fletcher's credit, he did most of them. I mean, you could say that, like, you know, I thought they needed a second good defenseman aside from the obvious top pair guy, and I'm not sure Rasmus Ristolainen is that guy, but, like, they got a guy who they think is that guy. So, like, they checked the box. They checked the box in their minds. I love him so much. My point is is that, like, (laughs) they checked a lot of the boxes in terms of the obvious needs that you look to the roster and you're like, this is what they need to do. There were only two things, really, that they didn't do. One was get that game-breaking offensive guy who defenses have to account for in every play. And I knew going in that was a long shot. It was like, maybe they can get that guy. If I'm doing, like, a shopping list, like, you know, what my dream Christmas gift is, like, yeah, that's going to be on there. But the other one, which was pretty important, was third-line center. And the reason being was that they really didn't have one. You know, they had, they obviously you got Katuri and Hayes, but you didn't have a third line center aside from Morgan Frost, who was coming off this big layoff because my assumption going into the offseason, which I was proven right, was that there was no way Nolan Patrick was surviving the offseason in Philadelphia. <laughs> so you're like, okay, it's Frost or nobody. They signed Broussard, who is like a stopgap fill in type of guy, but he's really not even a 3C. So what happened was. You knew you weren't going to go into the offseason and be able to fill every single hole, to be able to check every single box. That's the that's the perils of living in a cap world. You're just not going to be able to do it. And you have a limited number of assets to, to spend. So the one thing, really, that they, they chose to say we're not going to straight up address this was third-line center. And the problem is then you lose Kevin Hayes and suddenly it's not you don't just need a third line center, you need a second line center. You don't if you don't have a third line center, then you just certainly don't have a replacement second line center. So it was just it was the one thing in the offseason that they didn't fully address or at least try to fully address, and it ends up burning them before camp even starts. That's it's uh and we're gonna break right after this. I just wanted to say one, Charlie mentioned Rasmus Ristolainen. I'm excited again. And two, it's a lot like um like, oh, yeah, if the Eagles' offensive and defensive lines just stay healthy, they'll be okay. And it's like, well, we lost four-fifths of our starting O-line and Brandon Graham's out <laughs> for the year. 
Awesome. Yep. We're four games and Fletcher, into this. And Fletcher like, Cox is yeah. apparently bad now. Yeah, like, it's it's just kind of one of them things already, and it seems like that's what's happening to the Flyers. All right. Remember when we opened the outline, and we were like, oh, well, there's not a lot there. We're like 50 minutes in. We're I gonna, called it robust yeah. because there were four lines. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and, I don't know, talk about something for a few minutes, then wrap up because it's nighttime, and we all want to go to sleep. Uh, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. All right, fam, we are back, and uh, guess what? Paul Holmgren and Rick Tockett are Hall of Famers, baby. Uh, we, we brought them up as, uh, as potential candidates uh, just a few weeks ago, and it seems like they got in Rick Tockett. Of course, a couple of stints with the team, just an all-time badass. And Paul Holmgren is, is I mean, he's William Penn, basically. He, like, he's had every position with the organization. He's here for life. He's, I mean, at this point, he's, like, longer tenured than Ed Snyder and Bobby Clark. It's, <laughs> it's, he just, he's, he's just Mr. Flyer, I guess. It's him and Gritty are just the whole organization at this point. He might be the team's fucking 3C. Who's to say? Uh, just... Quick re quick reaction to that before we get into uh, uh we can do predictions later. I don't know why it wasn't Homer and Lou Nolan. It should have been. I, I mean Homer it. should have gotten it hands down, yeah. but Rick Tockett right now? I what? Know, like we can do that later. I already Lou made the, old. I already yeah. made the joke I expected Rick Tockett to get in the Hall of Fame when they name him coach in December. You've already made that one. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, so I voted on this, and my top two choices were Lou Nolan and Paul Holmgren. Thank you um, for your service. So, I mean, that that was that was my ballot. Um, that said, I mean, my guess because this was a this was a mix. The voting, I don't know exactly who voted. Like, I don't know everyone, but my understanding is that it was a mix of journalists, uh, Flyers alumni, former players, broadcasters, stuff like that. My guess is that Tockett probably did very well in terms of former players. Yeah. That's my assumption, because obviously some of them probably played with him, and others watched him and loved the way he played. So for them, Tockett was a no-brainer because he's Rick Tockett. And that is my assumption as to where Tockett really racked up his support, because I got the sense that the journalists and broadcasters were more into Lou Nolan as the second person. I mean, Holmgren, to me, was the no-brainer. Yeah. Like, obviously, Holmgren's yeah, getting in. Yeah, he was in. getting in, it seemed like, from the start. Yeah, like, that, it would have been a travesty, I think, if he wouldn't have gotten in. Because, I mean, the guy, like, I put this on Twitter, that, you know, he's he's a weird case because, like, if you look at every single one of his, like, what he did in each position, yeah, like, like, I don't think, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer as a Flyers player. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer as a Flyers general manager. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer as a Flyers coach. But if you take it all in aggregate, he did all he's a no-brainer because yeah. he did all these things and he was pretty decent at all of them with the exception maybe of coach. coach. Yeah, and coach even then, him. he he coached them to a conference final, so, like, he wasn't awful. And, I mean, may, the best job he might have done was his president. Because I mean, you have the Lindros thing, feather in his cap. I mean, yeah, it was good. you know, this is this is a guy who, you know, he is the Philadelphia Flyers, and he's done it all, and he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Lou Nolan, I he should get in at some point. I just, I mean, hopefully Lou Nolan lives until he's a hundred. But I mean, Lou Nolan isn't young, and I would like Lou Nolan to get in the Hall of Fame before he passes away. Hopefully, that's not for another twenty-five years. But I mean, when you're older, you never know what can happen, and. Hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll root for good health for Lou and we'll root for him to get a uh, to get in the Hall of Fame in the next few years. Now, Charlie made it all serious when I, I was going to earlier when you were like, I'm not exactly sure who voted. I was going to make a stop the steal joke. But now that, <laughs> now, that we're, now that we're making it all serious. Yeah, I, I'm happy for both. They both like deserve it. I said Rick Tockett. He just seems like one of those guys who's, who embodies the Flyers. Uh, he's like that for previous generations, just that Wayne Simmons style, like workman type player and shit man a, a legit star at one point uh during his career in this league uh with and without the flyers so good for him and obviously we said paul holmgren like he was getting in like that's happening um not a ton of time so i don't want to get into all the predictions we can figure out a time to do it uh next week but just one thing i wanted to get to here uh flyers are even money to make the playoffs about minus 125 to miss that means They've got about a 55-56% implied probability to miss the playoffs. Right now, all this, everything we uh, everything we know, 
they're saying, eh, it's probably they're going to miss. Do you think the Flyers make the playoffs? Yes. So here's the thing. Everybody, the they nerds, make every other the year betting they miss people. Last year. No, but like people base these predictions off of past performance, obviously. So people are looking at last year, particularly the nerd models, and being like, oh, yeah, the Flyers are going to be garbage. Look what they did last year. I am very firm in my belief that last year is not going to be repeated in any way, shape, or form. It was a perfect storm of shit. The shit winds blew into Philadelphia and they messed up the Flyers. <laughs> they aren't, that's not going to happen again. So I am very confident that they're going to make the playoffs. And also, as Bill said, it's every other year. So we're due. Yeah. yeah that it's it's just it's just science they miss it they make it it's just the way it's going to go until the end of time no (laughs) to follow up on kind of what kelly was saying about the uh the models you know the statistical models the the one thing that really hurts the flyers from a statistical model standpoint for most of them is the goaltending Uh and and it's because like the models will the models will regress like the performance of someone like Carter Hart. They're going to be like, well, he's not going to be that as bad as he was last year, especially because before that, he was nowhere near that bad. The problem is, is that he someone like so Carter bad. Hart, yeah, it really breaks a model because he was horrific. Like he wasn't just underwhelming. He was so bad that he could, he, you could, you could bake in 20 points of save percentage regression into Carter Hart from last season, and he would still be below 900. So of course those <laughs> models are going to look at it. And they're going to be like, yeah, Carter Hart just stinks. And they didn't sign a goalie who's been much better over the last three years to back him up. So everything's going to get ruined by the goaltending. So, again, it goes back to what we've been talking about for weeks, which is if Carter Hart's Carter Hart again, the Flyers will be fine. If Carter Hart's not, then they're in trouble. But, I mean, if they're Carter Hart's not. And, you know, Kelly was complaining about Micah's model having the Flyers down near the Sabres. My thing is, like, look. If the Flyers are going to miss the playoffs, the best thing for them is to be horrific. Yes. Like, take a take a run at Shane Wright. Like, let me be clear. It's much better for the Flyers if they finish 31st than if they finish 21st. Doesn't the league much better? Especially, like, considering the way uh, some lotteries have gone for them the last decade plus. Doesn't the league owe us one? Yeah. <laughs> JVR right. and they win, people. they win 22 games no. and the guy who We're goes— done here. One, two, and three. Shush. Because we are not talking about tanking on this podcast. Not tanking. That is not. Not that tanking. Is, nope, 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 nope. Just nope. if it does go poorly. That, go really poorly. This is not the tone that we are setting no. going into the season. Charlie talking about finishing 31st instead of 21st. Bill saying that the league owes us. We are not talking about I tanking expect- to set the tone for the season. We, what we are going to say is that the Flyers are very comfortable sitting right on that 50-50 line. Are they going to make the playoffs or are they not going to make the playoffs? No. And if they don't make the playoffs, then we are disbanding because I cannot take no, another that's... season of this bullshit anymore. Even money, like bet 100, win 100 for them to make the playoffs. I kind of like the value there because I think they're going to get in. All I'm saying is if things do go poorly... The league owes them. That's all. That's all. Okay, but do you think that they're going to make the playoffs? I do believe that they will make the playoffs as Kelly got to. I expect as Kelly got to, whatever the sentence is I'm trying to say, uh, <laughs> as as she said, I expect them to be much better than last year. So, like, the statistical models don't really reflect how good they are. And, right, Carter Hart broke the nerds. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I heard out of and Charlie like, O'Connor. And like, just just looking at the division, I think the Canes and Penguins are considerably worse. Yeah, I think that's fair, and that's kind of where I sit too. But also, there's no way that they're as bad as they were last year. They're nowhere um, near that bad. Like, if they are, they're yeah, nowhere, like they're I'm nowhere just nowhere near that bad. Ugh. But still, like they could be a little better and miss the playoffs. I expect them to get in. I think everyone here is looking at it optimistically enough that they should get in. Of course, they're going to keep the every other year pattern going because why the fuck wouldn't they? Um, nope. Can't do that to my heart. <laughs> well, this is year, it's fine, though. Yeah. Yeah, we just have to wor- we, yeah this yeah, is the year, year they get year. in. We have to worry about the following year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, they just have to Thank win the cup every other memory. year. Like, that's just what they got to do. Win the cup every other year and everything will be okay. okay. All right. That's it. That's uh, anybody have anything else? We can We can wrap this thing up. 
I don't think so. If you see my oh, dead life one on one interview with Elaine Vigneault oh, yeah. coming next week. Oh, driver's doing a, yeah, driver's doing an interview with Elaine Vigneault. If you see yeah, my so dead we'll lifeless do... body on Broad Street wearing an SB Nation Broad Street hockey t shirt on oh, Sunday during the Broad Street run, just uh, high, high five my corpse <laughs> Please. on your way down the street. <laughs> Please live. You're do great. <laughs> Please live through that. Uh, okay. <laughs> That is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you better hit that goddamn subscribe button. Do it now. Do it now. Hit subscribe. The season's coming. That means all the content you waited for, it's about to hit you. Pre-games, post-games, all the shit. Flyers forecast, flyperbole, this show. You're going to be inundated. You're not going to be able to keep up unless you hit that subscribe button. So do so. Uh, you won't regret it, I promise. So do it. Uh, yeah, that's it. My name is Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Steph, for Charlie. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!